Hello and welcome to episode three of Harry's podcast. I cannot believe we've made it this far. What's next? Merchandise? I'm just kidding. I'm going to wait till episode 10 for that. The intro music is here to stay, I believe. I spoke to the marketing team this week in what can only be described as a passive aggressive meeting. They said the numbers have come in, they've looked at the data, and they just have two small notes. The first note, the podcast has to be shorter, which is offensive. The second note, the podcast has to be better, also offensive and vague. So I have to address these two notes this week or I'm in danger of the show getting cancelled. No pressure, the show rolls on. This week I wrote a two-page scene. I've been wasting time thinking a lot about format and hooks and concepts and ultimately it's been a bit of a hindrance and a creative block on my productivity. Everything I've been trying to avoid um, so I've been thinking a lot about anthology shows and, you know, a big juicy idea that's going to get people watching the show. And that isn't really what this show is meant to be. It's meant to be an ongoing story that's about a character and, you know, it picks up an audience as it goes along the way. So, for example, I've been thinking about um, High Maintenance, a show where a drug dealer visits a new character each episode. So I was thinking very much in that format, you know, do I have six different different characters that I visit? Do I have six different locations? What are the difference? What's the difference storytelling wise? If you set something all in one location, it does that become exciting? Does that, is that boring? You know, I know it can be both of those things dependent on you know, how you how you execute it. So I've wasted a little bit of time on that this week. Um, but then I did write the two-page scene. So it wasn't all wasted time. It got me to where I needed to be. But then I did think, you know, if I didn't waste as much time on this, maybe I'd have got a couple of scenes written. So this new scene, this new two-pager, it's, I like it. I'm already looking to shoot it um, the end of the month. It's simple because it's me at a desk, but it's also uh, a challenge because it's visually just me at a desk uh, on the phone. And it's kind of screenwriting 101 because my character is after something and it's, you know, does he get it? Um, the first episode that I, that I wrote uh, last week with a four-pager that was a little bit up in the air because it involved a coffee shop, it involved a couple of moves and was just a little bit complicated and I think I needed to pull it back a little bit and go, no, let's keep it to two two minutes and let's shoot in the flat for now or somewhere nearby because of what's going on. Um, I did actually stumble across a quote this week that I really like, which is kind of going to become a mantra on this project, which is, complexity is the enemy of execution. So I love that, and I'll keep reminding myself of that, because I'm very prone to overcomplicating things, over overthinking things, and how to complicate. And I think trying to write a format or a hook for the overall show is making it too complicated at this point. Um, 
I am trying to write a TV script uh, at the moment. And I think that type of thinking should apply more to that as opposed to this web show. You know, the whole ethos behind this was, can I do an ongoing series that's almost prolific as fortnightly and, um, you know, keep developing as a storyteller. So it should be, um, it shouldn't be as thought out as I'm trying to make it. Ultimately, I have three things that I want to keep pushing towards in 2020, and they are making this new web show. That's my priority. Applying for BFI funding, which I'm hopefully going to apply for in September, if nothing else changes. That's for an ambitious short film. And writing uh, a new TV script. You know, I like these goals because they're different. I'm not putting my eggs in one basket, but also they'll improve me and they'll also influence each other. So, uh, for example, writing an ongoing series will definitely improve my TV pilot writing and vice versa. And the work I make over the next couple of months, that can be put towards my funding application. So I'm, I'm trying to separate the week into those uh, three goals. So I'm spending time on each one. Uh, this week, I read a few TV pilots, sort of analyzing the structure and strengths in each one. Um, I've read quite a few 30-page scripts the last couple of years, and so I feel like I've got a good handle on them. But it's always good to read them and see, you know, how they unravel. Do they do anything different? And and mainly read the scripts for the shows that you love or the tone that you aspire to write. And then hopefully by osmosis, that channels into your own writing. So I have reread the pilots for Barry, Atlanta, and Search Party probably four times each, just to kind of soak up the tone and why and figure out why I love each one and the characterization of them all. And I guess as well remind myself that sometimes what happens in a pilot isn't a great deal. And I think an amateur mistake sometimes is trying to do too much when it's really not needed. Um, I'm also one of about 4,000 people that have entered the BBC Writers' Room uh, comedy window. And I'm thinking it's wise to be working on a new TV script because they are not good odds. And it's always nice when you put in for a scheme or, or funding or whatever to have something that you're working on so if you do get a no uh, you're you're straight on to the next thing so that's the update in terms of the ongoing show i feel like i have made some progress i've, I've written a new two-pager that is definitely the next thing that i want to shoot um, i'm not sure about the other script hopefully that can be rewritten into something um, i do feel like i did waste a bit of time but then again uh, it did take me to where I needed to go. And also that thought process on format and uh, production stuff, that might have actually helped the TV pilot that I'm working on. So I guess it has been a productive week. Um, I did also take part in a couple of webinars. Um, there was a BFI Network one where they screened a couple of funded short films that was interesting. And then yesterday I did a webinar with Jesse Armstrong and Becky Martin, so Jesse Armstrong, obviously from Peep Show and Succession fame, and Becky Martin had directed on Peep Show, Veep, and Succession as well. So that was a really cool webinar. 
I think people like that can be so far removed from the start of their career. Sometimes it's difficult for them to offer advice, but it was more learning how they work. And, you know, for example, Jesse Armstrong talked about how he learned on the thick of it and what helps his writing in the production is when they shoot a couple of scenes as written and then they do a couple of takes that are a little bit more improvised and loose, which um, is just a really nice idea to to implement the next time I shoot. It is something I've experimented in the past, but it's just nice when you get a fundamental like that and you go, oh yeah, that would be interesting to sort of put in my toolbox, you know, get the scene as written and then let the actors have a bit more fun. So um, that's the nugget that I took away from that that webinar. Um, and then there's another webinar tonight with Jim Cummings, who I met um, about six months ago, maybe maybe longer, when Thunder Road came out. And um, he's an interesting guy that was clearly has a producer mindset that's moved into directing and acting. So um, I'm sure that'll be an interesting one. So three things on my mind. They are this week. Number one, finding your voice, improving your voice. Number two, doing the work, taking your mind off outcome. And three, you need people. So firstly, finding your voice, improving your voice. I've been thinking about this for a long time. And essentially it comes down to this. All we need to do is find our voice, our own original voice. And secondly, work on improving that voice. Like I feel like I'm starting to get a good handle on what my voice is, but there's still a lot of developing to do. And so maybe have a think of your own development and how far you've come. Think of the writers or filmmakers you've emulated in the past and maybe ripped off a little bit, and maybe you still do it. But I would focus on what makes your work you and therefore special. You know, you often read from uh, producers or production companies or commissioners, we're after a voice, we're after a fresh new voice. And you also see it when filmmakers or writers sign a big deal. You know, you'll see a, a Mindy Kaling or a Phoebe Waller-Bridge or um, a Donald Glover and they say, we're really excited to work with this fresh new voice. And that's why the audience want to experience that person's work because it's original and they have something new to say. So I would say try to objectively stand back Look at your style, look at your voice and go, what am I doing here that is uniquely me? And maybe what am I doing that's not me? And try and look at it from that point of view. Or get someone else's opinion, get a couple of people's opinions and just go, what do you think that I'm doing that is that is definitely me, That is that is original? Because I think when I first started, there were definitely writers that I would sit down at the, you know, I'd sit down at the writing table and they would be consciously in my head. And I don't, you know, that's a good place to start. I think everyone's got to start like that. But now I definitely don't do that. I sit down and I'm writing and it's a very, you know, it must be a very subconscious thing, your influences. So finding your voice, improving your voice. So try to think of ways um, you can find that and then also ways you can improve that. Number two, 
do the work, taking your mind off outcomes. This is massive for me, massive. Um, it's a massive block. It's a massive time suck. Um, as creatives, we love to cloud our own judgments. We like to make it difficult for ourselves. And I do that a lot. I'm sure you do. And I think part of this week did feel a little bit wasted, um, thinking about formats. But I think thinking of outcomes, it can be dangerous because we all like to daydream and we all like to think of the, the Mulholland Drive mansion or the apartment in New York or whatever your your outcome is. But we do need to do the work and we need to get to the writing table or we need to finish that script or whatever we need to do. We need to prioritize that. And so I think my aim for the next three to four months is enjoy the process and kind of live more short term, more short term goals. So at the moment, all I'm thinking about is we've got to get that two page scene um, shot. And whatever happens after that, then that's not in my control. So it's kind of, again, hippie-ish. It's living in the moment and, and seizing the day that you've got ahead of you and trying to be as productive as you can. But just take your mind off those outcomes. And even to the point where you're thinking about your career, you know, with, with a short form uh, show like this, part of me can get a bit down and go, oh, but it's not a feature film or, you know, it's not a, 15,000 or 20,000 pound uh, funded short film, you know, and therefore it's a lesser piece of work, which is obviously ludicrous. But these are the things that we tell ourselves, you know, just because it's not those things doesn't mean it's, you know, it's very valuable to our development as, as writers and filmmakers or as actors. So yeah, do the work and take your mind off outcomes. That's, that's a big thing for me. And thirdly, and most importantly, you need people. We do need people. And I think we need an infrastructure that sets us up for success and fuels our motivation because motivation, self-motivation, by its very nature, is fleeting. It isn't a, a constant thing. You know, you need to work on it. And I think the difference between successful people and less successful people is how they manage their own self-motivation. You know, on this topic, I really recommend a book called Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell because it goes really deep on successful people and how success doesn't always tell the whole story. And so I've been getting big on um, Last Dance on Netflix, the, the Chicago Bulls Michael Jordan documentary. And... I got so deep into it that I thought, you know, I'm going to read a book of uh, Michael Jordan. So I've got a Scribd account. It's like £8 a month, but it's the best £8 a month I spend. It's really a brilliant resource. Scribd, I highly recommend it. Tons of resources and books and, and audiobooks and everything on there. So uh, I started reading this book called uh, The Drive from Within. And in it, especially the early years of Michael Jordan, he didn't really sound that motivated. You know, he, he had a high school coach that would get him out of bed half the time. You know, he, he admits in the book, half the days, I just, I couldn't be bothered. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't interested. And if it wasn't for his coach, he wouldn't get out of bed. Now, obviously, when you think of Michael Jordan, you, you definitely don't think that. 
You know, this is this incredible human being that has this unlimited amount of motivation and drive. And how, as a teenager, was he like this? You know, the, the, the polar opposite. And you think to yourself, well, if he hadn't had that coach, then what would have happened? Would there, would there be no Michael Jordan? And I think it's a lot, it's it's the same with the film industry and with writers and filmmakers. And, and I guess I wanted to think about how filmmaking is so solitary and how mentally tough it is compared to other avenues and other art forms because we're we're doing it alone and you do need people but it works in a different way totally compared to say a band you know or the music industry or sports because with mu- with the music industry you have practices and you have gigs and that's validation and it's sort of it's it's often you know a band goes on tour they have 30 gigs they get a lot of praise you know then they're in the studio it's kind of it's it's constant and with a filmmaker it's not like that you know you might you might um make a couple of short films a year or you might write a couple of scripts but the validation is very few and far between and i think with sports again you have practices you have matches you you're playing two, three, four times a week and you're always improving and you've got people around you that are helping you and uh, they're helping you improve. And I think with that, with filmmaking, it's hard to do that. And it's the same with writing. It's hard to do that. It's hard to have that infrastructure where you are you have to get out of bed or you have to go to that meeting or you, you know, you have to do it. It's very much on our own shoulders it's up to us whether we get out of bed and start writing the script or whether we make all those decisions that lead to making a short film or you know making a feature film you know which is obviously a, a the biggest endeavor that you can do sort of independently i imagine as a filmmaker and so i guess to think i guess the thing to take away is how can you get more people who are going to help you you know you might have a co-writer but um, or another collaborator that you meet weekly, but how can you go further than that? And that's something that I'm definitely going to think about more closely in the coming weeks. How can I enforce an infrastructure that, you know, keeps me um, at a top level? It keeps, keeps me, and I mean a top level in terms of my own sort of performance, my own productivity. How can I keep myself accountable? Because I think it's healthy and positive to remind ourselves that we are alone in doing this you know it is down to us and it does fall on our shoulders and it is up to us to get to the writing table Um, but then also to remind us that there will be a time that comes when we will have people and we will get an agent or we will get producers that are interested in in our work and you know it is ironic that the more successful you get, the more help you get. And you do have a team around you. And that is how you constantly improve and evolve. But we can mimic that. I would like to wrap this up in terms of you do need people, but also to be very grateful of the people that have helped you up to now. I have three, four, five people that I check in with uh, on a weekly basis that I think push me and help me and if you're lucky 
I'm sure you have two or three people as well that are kind of your inbuilt infrastructure. And so what I would like to ask you to do this week, as cheesy as it may seem, I would like you to reach out to those people by a message, email, maybe go old school and actually phone them up and, and thank them for supporting you and helping you because without them, you might not be further down the road, so to speak, on your career. So they are the three things that have been on my mind this week. Finding your voice, improving your voice, doing the work without thinking of outcomes, and the fact that we all need people and that we already have people that are helping us get to where we need to get. Thank you for listening this week. The podcast has been produced by Ryan McMurray at Bracken Audio, and I will see you next week. Thank you.